Again, David James Young for another week of all my friends are in bar bands. I hope you're doing well. I hope you've been getting out to catch a bunch of great live music. We are almost at the end of 2018. It's been a fucking wild year, hasn't it? My goodness. Uh, we'll have a few more episodes for you before we wrap up for 2018. Already got some great stuff on the horizon for 2019 and beyond. But uh, before we get to all of that, uh, today we have somewhat of a crossover episode. So today the guest is Josh Earl. Josh Earl's a uh, comedian and musician uh, originally from Tasmania down in Burnie. Uh, but now based in Melbourne. Uh, he is the former host of Spicks and Specs, and he's also the current host of the wonderful quiz show podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am? I've been a big fan of Josh's uh, for years, uh, since I discovered him alongside the Bedroom Philosopher about oh, over a decade ago. Yeah, so I've been a fan of his for very, very long, but uh, we only actually became somewhat friends in the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, uh, it's really interesting to talk to a guy that you know knows as much and cares as much about music as you and... Uh, yeah, I thought it'd be an interesting one to have someone that's not necessarily in the world of music per se, but has still, you know, had their lives changed by it in one way or another. And we get into it. We get into the, the whole world of, of musical comedy and the various ins and outs of that. And uh, yeah, was really, really grateful to have Josh on while I was in Melbourne. If you are in Melbourne and you would like to go to Josh's po live podcast of Don't You Know Who I Am, uh, December 15th, Josh is doing a live episode of Don't You Know Who I Am uh, as a Christmas special. So that's going to be December 15th, 3pm at the Catfish in Fitzroy, uh, with guests like Ann Edmonds, Adam Richard, Greg Larson... Ben Russell, and a few surprise guests as well. And all money raised from the event is going to the Indigenous Literacy Foundation, which is an absolutely wonderful cause. Uh, last time they did it, they were able to raise over 200 bucks for kids in Aboriginal communities, and uh, hopefully they will be able to hit the same target this year. So... Uh, if you would like to head along to Don't You Know Who I Am live uh, for the Christmas special, December 15th at the Catfish, then you can head to joshearl.com.au slash gigs. In the meantime, if you would like to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com. We are at barbandspod on Twitter and Facebook. All my friends are in barbands.com. And if you would like to help us out in one way or another, we would absolutely love it if you could rate and review and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, or indeed subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. 
Of course, if you are in a position to do so for as little as $1 a month, you can help to financially support this podcast and myself and keep the lights on at Bar Bands HQ by becoming a patron over at Patreon. Massive, massive thank you to all the loyal patrons as usual. Your support is so, so very much appreciated. If you'd like to get involved and support independent Australian podcasting, then you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash barbands. All right, we'll get into it right now. This is my chat with Mr. Josh Earl. Having a baby does change your life forever, and yes, it is change for the better. Evan will tell you that it is amazing, but there is one thing that I find irritating. It's not the sleepless nights, all the constant shitting, because baby poo just looks like butter chicken. It's not the advice from all the other parents and their constant photos in there. Need to share it, just that mum's on Skype every night, both in sound and sight, to see her grandchild. But when mum's on Skype, she can't do it right, so we just fight on how to Skype right, yeah. Hi everyone, I'm David Jane Jung and all my friends Skype in Barbats. Right. Today I would like to introduce you to my friend Josh Earl. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being had. It's, it's fun to be, uh, I've just done uh, my podcast and now I'm doing another one, it's good. It's Look great. at you, just... Content out uh, the wazoo, I'm, I'm mate. Mr. Podcast. Mr. Podcast. <laughs> Mr. Podcast 2018. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're on the calendar. It'll be a good calendar. Yeah. I'll, I'll go for June. I wouldn't be on the... It'll be like, so Will Anderson would be on the cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously. The Dum Dum Club, but that'd, that'd get something. I'd probably get something like February because it's the shortest month. That's mm. what I'd get, yeah. Oh, then you have to be Cupid. Yeah, oh, that's... <laughs> I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> We're at the Catfish in Fitzroy and Josh is uh, in the middle of a Don't You Know Who I Am residency. What was this, number like five or six? This was uh, actually number four. So we've got yeah. three more left. So yeah, it's been great. So it's uh, I did it last year at a different bar called Sun Velvet Morning, but it was only like Fitz 43 and that is a very tight 43. Oh yeah. And so it was great because every single podcast was full and it sounded great on mic, but it's yeah. like, it's just, it's more people want to come so it's like it's in a good position to go let's, let's uh, that, find a bigger venue that's a good problem to yeah, have I think yeah <laughs> and this is like so this holds about 80 so we had about that much in today which was good it's really cool yeah 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 I was trying to think back to the first time that we met and I think it might have been probably about two years ago you did a headliner at the store oh yeah I would have oh no I wouldn't have done the headliner I reckon I was just oh there was an hour I did yeah. an hour yeah that's right I did yeah at first yeah that was that was more than two years ago. That would have been 2014. 14? 14? Jesus yeah. Christ. I reckon that was it, yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was off the back of doing the telly. So I went, oh, no one knows who I am, so I'll go mm. out and do some stand-up. And yeah. then, yes, that's what I, I did. Brisbane, Sydney, uh, and then Hobart as well. And look at you now. Now, now I'm hosting a podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people know it, so that's yeah. something. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a podcast. Absolutely. I'm living proof. Yeah. <laughs> where did it come from? Like, was it just the kind of thing where you just sit around thinking of, like... There, there's Everyone says, like, I want to do this, and it's just like, oh, that's already been done. Just like, yeah. Oh, fuck. What, what's, what's my angle? Well, what, what, it can't, all came off the back of hosting Spicks and Specs. And so yeah. I... So when they kind of said, oh, we're not going to do another season of it, what else do you have? And I was like, oh, nothing. You've just... 
I've just found out that I'm yeah. doing another season. <laughs> so I went home and I th- had to think about it. I thought, oh, what I don't like about panel shows is they're so reverse engineered. It's that mm. thing of like, well, so the example is we, when we had Claire Bowditch on the show, yeah. she was like, oh, the stories that she sent through beforehand was, oh, I supported um, Leonard Cohen. I've got a good story about that. Yeah. So we had to go, all right, let's ask a Leonard Cohen story so she can tell her Leonard. Sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And so why don't we just ask her about Leonard Cohen? Like, let's say, hey, that's, that's cool. That's a cool story. And so I thought, how could there be a way where people don't feel bad for bringing up their best stories? Mm. It's just they're boasting. But I can just kind of like, like give, lob them the pass and they can hit it out of the park. And mm. so that's why I thought, like, let's do a, a quiz show where all the questions are based on the best stories that the guests have. And I'll give them a... Just the little bit at the top, and then they can tell the rest of it and get the big laughs. And yeah. It's not like, oh, do you have to drop that name? It's because yeah, I, yeah. I, so I told them to drop the name. Yeah. And so that was the thing. And so I thought, I don't know, like, you know, is it. I didn't want to just go straight to ABC and go, oh, well, this is the TV show because I thought yeah. they'll change it. And I thought, oh, let's just do it as a podcast. And I always liked, I really like podcasts. And yeah. so I thought that's a new, exciting way to get an audience who are either, you know, they're. They're passionate listeners. They've got to actually go out and find it, download it themselves, and yeah. then find the time to actually watch it. So you don't you don't have anyone just kind of like walking past, going, "Oh, what's that? Okay, I don't like that. Yeah. I'm going to let them know about it." <laughs> and so, yeah, I thought that's going to be the best thing for this show. And so mm. then, over the last, so it's, I did it used to do it in seasons, like just eight, eight eight episodes. Yeah. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it uh, going, e- yeah. each week because that's how you kind of build an audience. And then. Yeah. And then it was this thing, and then the live shows are now kicking off, and it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's the type of podcast that's ideal for a live show because yeah. the, the acts on get the laughs and, from the audience, and so they feed off that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we were discussing this uh, not too long ago that uh, uh, you are inverted, inadvertently responsible for my other podcast, Hottest 100s and Thousands, now having original music because yeah. when we did our first season, our. Uh, intro music was Don't You Know Who I Am by Happy Land. Yeah. And then probably like six months later, your podcast started. And <laughs> I'm as so- soon as I saw it, I was just like, well, shit. I'm so sorry. I'm and well, that's fine. This like, is- I think you have more claim to it than we do, just quietly. Well, this is the other thing. We're so in sync because I also, with my friend Jess McGuire, we're about to do a new podcast. And I just thought, oh, because we were talking online to Zan Rowe about like bands we were really into mm. in our teens in the late 90s yeah. and we were kind of like and then at one point this is me and Jess talking and she was like hey I'm not sure if you're being like if you're taking the piss here but I actually do really like these bands I'm like no 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 I think I was making fun of I'm not making fun of, I was talking about Meryl Bainbridge oh sure and I'm, I'm like Mouth is a great song oh Mouth is a banger yeah and then I was like going no no I'm fully into this and then yeah. we we Switched it to the DMs, and I was like, let's do a podcast about music, and let's try and, like, something that can do... And then I thought, oh, let's do all the Hottest 100s. And then I told Paul McWhorter, and he said, yeah, oh... friend of the show. Like, Hottest 100s and Thousands. And I went, oh, no, it's already <laughs> been done. So uh, we're, we're going to do it to all the 100% hits volumes up until whenever. Fantastic. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to launch that very soon. Excellent. That's mm. something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> So, Josh, I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were 
watching on Rage or listening to on the radio or something yeah. like that to being like, oh, I want to pick up a guitar. I want to, you know, be a musician in yeah. some way, shape or form. So, yeah, tell us a little bit how music kind of factored into your childhood and, like, if there was kind of a switch-on moment yeah, for Yeah, gr- growing up, my parents didn't really listen to music. We had a few, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival records sure, at home yeah. and that was about it. My older brother wasn't... My, I know a lot of friends, so my older brother used to listen to this, so I kind of got into it at a young age. Yeah. My older brother wasn't didn't really care for music that much. Yeah, right. And so, but then... In like '94, I think it was Triple J was first broadcast in Tassie, where I live, yeah, like in yeah, Bernie, yeah. and it was a huge. So everyone at school was talking about, "Oh, you got to mm. listen to this. It's really, really cool." And so I remember the first album of the week that week was Murder Ballads, and oh, so wow. yeah, when you're 14, that's like that's a really kind of intense album to listen to. Oh and my I, God, but yeah. it was a thing. Like this is what's cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the time, and so. That was there, so it was also Rage was a huge thing. Recovery was a massive thing as well, but I think yeah. that was a bit later. But it was Triple J, and then I got a Brashes voucher of for Christmas one year. And I was going in, and all my friends were really into the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I didn't really like them, but it was the cool thing to get into. And I thought, I was watching Rage that morning, and there was the Lemonheads' Mrs. Robinson. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. So I thought, oh, I like that song. That's cool. And it was also from Wayne's World, so I was like, oh, they're, they're in the film clip to it. And so I went down to Brashes and got uh, It's a Shame About it's Ray. Shame About Ray, yeah. So that was the first album I bought with my own money. And it was so funny in terms of, like, that thing of going, when, you, when you're, you know, you don't have much music. And, like, now kids can just go online straight away and find it and t- yeah. make their mind up within, like, two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I had to, like, you had... I had one That's CD. I had one yeah. CD in the house. So if I wanted, and it cost twenty nine ninety five. Yeah, exactly. It was a big thing. So it was a big investment. And so I didn't want to say I'm wrong. Mm. So I listened to it and I loved it. Like it's a great album. Yeah. And so it was that. It was like so. From that, I got into like the Lemonheads. I got into Pavement. Um, ben Lee was a huge big thing because he was like yeah. on recovery he was my age I thought oh that's cool yeah, and he yeah. was talking about uh, Jonathan Richmond and the Velvet Underground and sure, I was getting into yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff and then it kind of kind of became like. In my group of friends, oh, Josh is the one who's into music. Right, so I, yeah, I was yeah. buying. I had the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I was buying Juice magazine every every month it came out. Oh my god, I used to have a big stack yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah. I travelled with them for so long. Oh my I god. only got rid of them like about three years ago. I just oh, had everything, man. and it was just that thing. And so I did that. And then when I got to uni, there was a news agent in near my house that had NME. They like air shifted in, so I was getting like NME, and so I'd buy that every week. Wow. And it was just that thing of it was like that thing that I was into, like mm. where some people are into like sports, others are into music, and that's yeah, it was like. And so when I moved from Bernie to Launceston, my girlfriend at the time, she was really into music, and so she was yeah. like getting me into, into stuff like she was really into Arches of Loaf. Oh, and, sure. Yeah, and so, and that was all off the back of her ex, and so me and her ex become really good friends <laughs> just Classic. because of our music, and so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and we're still really good friends, and neither of us really talk to her anymore. So, but it's fine, <laughs> it's that thing, that's what happens, like, you just kind of pass on these these uh, bands to people. Describe Bernie for someone that's never been. Uh, Bernie is like, so Tassie's beautiful, and Bernie is like when you clean your house. And you tidy up every single room except for one room where you dump all your shit. That's Bernie. Um, no, it, it's look, it's an industrial town. It's a bit like Newcastle. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but smaller, a lot smaller. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's about uh, sixteen thousand people. It's like football's really good. Uh, from there, there's a few bands who have come out of Bernie, like the Swedish Magazines, Little Ugly Girls are from Bernie. Mm-hmm. It is real kind of like everyone either 
surfs or skates or plays footy. That's that's right. what everyone does. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, there's no, there's nothing else really to do. Yeah. Was it one? Of, yeah, it's one of those classic things where it's just like if anyone, like literally anyone, is into the same shit as you, it's just like, well, yeah. we have to be friends. We have oh, no other choice. Yeah, and so it was, like, it was a real metal town as well. So there's, oh, a, sure. there's a band called Intense Hammer Rage, which are from they're from Bernie, and so the first live band I ever saw, Ooh. and so they played at the the local swimming pool at, at something called Pool Jam, and they were the first band on, and uh, just. This just was the pool like drained? Stand. Did they play in the pool? No, no, oh. it was just off to the side. So people were doing bombs off the side, That's and so they're sick. just playing there in the sun, which is such a weird thing. But it was like, well, there's no bands in this town yeah. apart from like cover bands, and they were one band. So they were, yeah, they were the first band I saw, and that kind of stuff. So everyone wearing like everyone wearing tool t-shirts, everyone kind of mm. like into that kind of stuff. Like like Metallica was huge. Yeah, of that course, kind of stuff. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When mm. did you like have bands in high school and stuff like that? I didn't play music until I was eighteen. When yeah, right. the girlfriend who got me into Arches of Loaf was like, "You're such a music snob, you should play." Here's a guitar, go for it. And so I, yes, just started teaching myself. I was, I was in bands in uni, so I was in a band called The Plurals with uh, some friend, a friend of mine, Emily Keeling, mm-hmm. and we would play gigs around. Launceston. Then I moved to Melbourne with the with the intention of being in bands, not doing comedy. It was like yeah, right. I want to be in bands. And me and a mate of mine, Jimmy, were in a band for a bit called Rap Dance Cool Party, <laughs> which was sick. yeah, which was um, it was actually really good. Like he he's a like he studies sound at RMIT, and so I'd go in with songs, the bones yeah. of them, and he would go, all right, get, live it with me, and I'd record it, and then I'd come back, and it sounded like... so. And so this was like 2003, 2004, so yeah, I was right. very influenced by bands like The Rapture, and yeah, sure. every song was about... Like dance funk sort of stuff. Every song was about dancing. That, that, was our, that was our little thing. It was like, so, yeah, that was what we wanted to do. Incredible. Yeah. What was the first time you ever played live? Uh, so it was... Uh, first time playing music live was uh, at because I did theatre and so at in the foyer before a show they said oh let's get some music happening right and so me and Emily played in in the foyer there and it was like we are just both on acoustic guitars and playing that and so it was mm. like kind of like it was good in the terms of like we started off slow going, oh you better start because there's like four people there mm. and then by the end everyone's in there and we're just kind of background noise so it wasn't like a proper show show and then when it was our first proper show, show it was there was a guy who did a zine in uh, Launceston called Clunk, right. a guy called Rick Sheshire, and he was really into music what as well. I thought the guy's name was Clunk. No, was no, like, well, that's yeah. a classic like, Tazzy sort of nickname. Yeah, no. So Rick uh, was doing this kind of he was doing a zine, and he like I would pick it up from the local record shop. And yeah, right. I'm like, oh, this guy likes the same bands I do, and he's really funny, and his cartoons are great because he's a cartoonist. Right. And so I kind of, like, this was before, this was like 2002, 2003, so it was, I had email, but no one talked to each other through email, so it was just, sure. I'd go to gigs, and I'd just see if I can find the guy who is also at the same gigs as me. Yeah. And so I, I finally saw him, and um, was like, hey, you're, you're really uh, great, I really think you're funny. And because I was doing, at the time, was doing... Uh, Improvised shows, uh, not, not comedy, but it was like an improvised show. And he goes, right. "Oh, I've seen you at that. You're really funny. Do you want to do? Do, do you want to do stuff? Because you play music in that. Do you want to do? Like, I'm like, I've got actual proper songs. 
and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do a, like a fundraiser for my thing, and you can be on. And there's a couple of other bands. There's a band called Kenny P and the Vomits, who uh, classic, yeah, who were great. And then uh, yeah, and so we just kind of did uh, did that. That was the first one. And I remember someone yelling out, "You need a bass player," because we had two guitarists. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> And I was like, no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> you can just run it through a bass yeah. amp, man. We have the technology. <laughs> I think, I can't remember who I was trying. I think I was like, oh, Girling didn't have a, like a, a bass player. True. Until Burke started picking up bass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know what you can find in those backpacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, well, we had a bass in here the whole time. <laughs> that, was the other, that, that was my big band when I was 18. Yeah, like, that was, sure. That was the band, like... When all my other friends were into others, like, because that was a really weird time, like ninety, like, it was either you, know, it was all that new metal kind of stuff coming. Oh, out. Oh yeah, just which, like ninety nine. Yeah. yeah, which never really, I was yeah, never really into metal. it. Yeah, Woo! this guy gets it. Yeah, but I was never really into. I like, you know, I enjoy it, but it's not something. And then the other alternative was like people like Chirin Breaks or oh, Travis yeah, and some yeah, of that, and I was like, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. like this either. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then so Pavement had an album out in ninety nine. It was just that thing, and then Girling was like, oh no, Girling's Girling's what I like. I like mm. these kind of like just people being noisy and having fun. Totally. What kind? What other stuff were you doing musically before you started forging the Josh Earl thing? So what, that was the thing. I was doing kind of songs around Launceston, where it was like just little gigs, where it's acoustic guitar and me, if anyone. Yeah. And then I would talk in between and kind of make it fun. And also, that's the thing. When I got given the guitar by my ex, she was like, "Well, you prove yourself." And to to write a a proper song straight away is yeah. daunting so I thought I'll just write a funny song yeah just to practice singing and doing that and so I wrote a funny song and then I played that one and went, that's really good and and then a guy was like I'm bringing down a comedian uh, next month from the mainland do you want to support him I'm like alright and they're like do half hour I'm like alright <laughs> not knowing that that was heaps oh my god I just go alright I've got some songs I've got like five songs that are kind of funny but I'll work on it and write some more and so that's that's what it was and so like both kind of going at the same time I played the Falls Festival like six months after doing starting comedy no shit well in Tassie it was like oh we need some local acts yeah but it was like it was on the second day I was the first thing on yeah so right. you can't sleep in a tent like there's yeah. no there's no way you can sleep in and so I would just I just got up on stage. I mean, I was meant to, but there was nothing else on. So there was like 4,000 people there waiting for something to happen. And then I just played like 20 minute set and it was great. And then I moved to Melbourne off the back of that. Just going, oh, I should just go and move to Melbourne and try and do, do gigs. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I went and I did a kind of little test run, was there for like two months. Mm-hmm. Went back, just, you know, exhausted all my friends' houses, obviously yeah. on their couches, and then came back and then got a house and then moved over again. Yeah. And so that was it. So it was 2004. Yeah. I've had a bunch of people on this podcast that have come from, like, Auckland and other people from Tassie and stuff like that, and, like, Brisbane and Newcastle, and have all somehow, some way, all ended up here. Yeah. You know, like, is that the kind of thing growing up where you, like, see, like, the dates for shows and it's always, like, oh. venues in Melbourne, it's like, that's the promise land. Yeah, so when I was at uni, so me, we, we would come over and do the, like, Big Day Out or Livid Festival yeah, or something like yeah, that and sure, just do yeah, yeah. all the side shows around it and then mm. go into the festival. And so that was what we'd spend any money that we had, like, we'd just go and spend it on that. And so, dumb me looks back now and go, I should have just went to America or something like that. I wasted so much money going to see sideshows. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's all worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, 
What about um, what about the first kind of time, like after moving to Melbourne? Like, did you kind of have that realization moment of just say, oh, maybe I could, you know, properly move into this comedy stuff and not so much to do that? Yeah. So I think what it was is it was easy to get into comedy. So, like sure. you can go to an open mic and it's a lot easier. And because I'd done some gigs in Tassie and some people over here who run rooms had seen me and they went oh come if you're in Melbourne hit me up and I'll put you on yeah and so I, that was a lot easier to get into and then everyone kind of because it's such a small scene yeah and so you see people from the telly who are on the same bill and they're mm. like oh you're, you're, you're funny and that gives you whereas in music it's a lot harder slog to get into that scene yeah I think. totally totally and yeah I think if it was just, whichever whichever like group kind of was more welcoming I reckon I would have concentrated on that and because comedy was more welcoming I went I'll just do comedy it's 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 more fun and like uh, Ellie who was in my band who also moved over as well we, she was working full time it was just harder to get to band practice and all that kind of stuff and yeah. try and organise gigs we did, we did a few but it was just that thing of going ah oh, I think I'm too busy doing comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's Which, so strange. Yeah. It's, it's weird to think. Do you think back as like that, like a sliding doors kind of moment? Yeah, but I was also like 22. I just had broken up with his ex in a pretty severe way, and was right. like, I'm just, I'm young, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. And mm. it was that thing. It was like just. That's why I always think now, if I was not a comedian, and thought to get into it now at 37. There's no way I would. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's so, so dumb. Why would I even think that? What gives me the right to get up on stage and talk to people? Um, but because I'm like at such a young, dumb age, I'm like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you remember about touring for the first time? Oh, so the first time it was I was first time I went interstate to do a gig. Apart from doing moving to Melbourne, was yeah, I yeah, went yeah. to Sydney through the mic in hand. Yeah, sure. And so I was doing it with my uh, oldest friend, Justin Hazelwood, who is otherwise known as Veteran Philosopher. Yes, indeed. And so we were doing a gig together at Mike and Hand. And, uh, you guys a duo? We were a duo, yeah. So we were the Renegades of Folk. And that's what we were called. And then we, so we went up to Sydney and thought, we'll just party all night mm. and just get the earliest flight the next day. And then we realised, oh, Sydney have different laws about, but everything shuts like, whereas Melbourne, you can go, oh, you could find somewhere, you can go to Tankerville and just drink until you, yeah, oh, and then, God. so we're just kind of wandering around, and then we got invited back to this house party, and we're like, okay, we'll go to the house party, and then I was like, our flight's in two hours, I'm going to just go to the airport now, and Justin was like, I'm going to stay here, I'll sit at the airport, and I didn't, never saw him at the airport, he missed that flight, so that was <laughs> oh, the first, no. and yeah, that was the first tour I did, and then, also, I went up again a few months later doing solo stuff, and yeah. there was a band... Oh, I forget what they were called. They were really good, but they were they were on as well. And they came to the mic and hand that night and saw me because Andy McClellan was in that band, who was another comedian. Oh right. Yeah, Skipping Girl Vinegar. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, I remember them. And so then I went and saw them the next night, and we hung out and was just hanging out with them. And so I had like three gigs at the store, one at the mic and hand, and mm. just did that. And then it was that thing of it was yeah super super fun and like yeah that was fun to it's way more fun to with bands and comedians comedians are very yeah. much like I just want to go in my room and I'm just going to get ready for the set where yeah. bands are like yeah, yeah, yeah. let's we're in town let's have a party let's Fuck yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> whereas that's the big thing like I always do comedy festival roadshow which is like they get like five oh, comics yeah. and you go all around and it's fun but at the same time, everyone's like, oh, it must be so much fun, so much, like, laughing. And I'm like, no, nah, when, when the mics aren't on, yeah. we're pretty much going, oh, Everyone's yeah. just looking at their looking phones, at their phones not telling each and, other, yeah. And bitching about other comics who they're friends with. It's Classic. like, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, I'm sure that happens with bands as well, but 
it just seems they're a bit more because I think with bands you're you're providing the party for the night. Yeah, so, yeah. Totally. So you finish and you go, oh, all right, let's let's have another party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been uh, kind of uh, like a bizarre sensation when you know Justin's like stuff was kind of taking off and getting played and stuff like that. It's just like, oh, there is kind of a there is an audience for comedy music. Oh uh, yeah. Well, he was like he went to move to Canberra because we were all through high school together. Yeah. Up at year twelve, I went to Launceston, and he went to Canberra. And he was getting stuff played on Triple J, and I was like, "Oh, mm. this is this is my best mate. Like this is mm. and like and it was before social media, so you couldn't tweet out, hey, 'Hey, I'm going to be on this.' So you just you you either heard it or you didn't. Yeah. And so I was like, "Oh, that's amazing." And then I was kind of doing little songs. He was doing the songs, and then uh, he was also on the Falls Festival that year. And from there, we both were like, "Let's move to Melbourne. Let's do this proper, and let's try yeah, and yeah, yeah. work out." And because he had a bit of a profile off the back of all the Triple J stuff, whereas mm. I was kind of just for a while, like for a good four or five years, mm. his go-to support whenever he did shows. Yeah. And so I toured with his band, the Orchestra. Like up, we did like that was the first kind of road trip where we pack a pack a van, mm. go up through camp, did Canberra, Sydney, Byron, Queensland, wow. like, and then and then I flew back. They all drove back, but mm. I was like, yeah, this is this is what it's meant to be like. Whereas before I was just going up and doing one show and then coming back down, which is not yeah. really touring. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you were talking uh, earlier about uh, doing like focusing on doing like a straight stand-up show now. Yeah, yeah. Comics just love digging into the like. Yeah, yeah. Well, like the the, they, everyone has just got the fucking beef with the guitar. It's just like it's just a prop. It's a, it immediately yeah. shields you from any the, any the criticism. Six-string six clapping machine is what people <laughs> call it. But it was really it was. I started in a really good time because there was like Fly the Concords, there was Tim Minchin, there was yeah. like all these David O'Doherty, David O'Doherty, yeah. all these really good musical comics. Yeah. Now, I, as a fan of comedy, I understand that musical comedy can be very shit. Yeah, it oh, sure. Can also be very, very good, just like yeah. any art form. But it is. I've been doing it for fucking like yeah. thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> and so it is this thing of going. I thought, oh, this is fun. I like doing this, and at, for a while, it was the Vogue thing to do. Was fine, and then the more the older I get, I'm just like I just want to, because I know I can do a whole hour of stand up. Yeah. So I just, it's I've been doing this for like 15 years now, so mm. it's that thing of like let's challenge myself and try and do something that I haven't done before, just to try and make it fresh. So I'm running a new show called Talks, which is just me talking. Yeah. And then I've also I'm still writing songs, and so the following year I think I might do a show called Sings, which ah, is just sings, right. and then. Hopefully, do them both together in one kind of night and film. Josh all talks and sings. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. So if you don't like me talking, come and see me singing. If you don't like me singing, come and see me talking. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe there's someone in that Venn diagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Has has it been an interesting thing to kind of have those? I don't know. Weird, weirdly, two kind of very separate things in your life. Like, even if you're you know still surrounded by comedians and you know you're working. Most weeks, like, uh, like it, I'm assuming music's still like a very much a big part of your life. Yeah, I mean, it's it is that weird thing. I because I've got kids, it's hard to go out and see bands, but I do try yeah. and go out and see, especially if mates are playing in bands. I go out and try and see them as yeah. much as I can, just because I know how hard it is when you're doing the the text out. Hey, we're doing this, and I know it's like when I do a festival show where I'm like, hey, I really appreciate this. I've worked really hard for this. I want my friends there to support it, and I understand mm. how selfish that is. But then when I see friends who have been working on albums for like five years, yeah. putting all their money into it and knowing that the 
like the payoff is such a small little thing in like in terms of financial if they ever make it back but they just yeah. want to do it because they want to do it and so I'm always like well I want to go and support that I really like that kind of like people doing it not for the sake of oh we want to get rich rich and famous we just mm. we want to get these songs out and we think these songs are good so I will try and go and uh, see as many friends bands as possible that's beautiful yeah <laughs> so we'll wrap it up here but before we do that I ask this of all of my guests now it's your turn, Josh. I want to know about the best and worst gigs you have ever had in your entire life. Oh, so for me, going to oh, being doing the gig, as okay, a, yeah. Best as a performer. Best gig was actually this year, early this year. I did Hobart at the uh, the Royal Theatre. Was it called Royal Oak or something? No, that's in, that's in Launceston. That's where yeah. I, that's where I did my first gig. No, it's like the Theatre Royal. Ah, Theatre yes. Royal. So it's eight hundred seats, and it's really old theatre where it was like built before microphones and so it's kind of everyone's kind of sitting on top of each other it goes straight up and so it's perfect for comedy because they're right there mm. even though it's it's huge and so I did uh, 25 minutes there as part of the Comedy Festival Roadshow and it was one of those gigs where it was like everything is great like because mm. it was when the guy the mayor of Hobart had said he doesn't like Mona Foma right. uh, because oh, yeah. it like it's gone too far and they're going to drop their funding and I'm like you guys give them like $80,000 a year that's like mm. these guys spent quarter million dollars on hoodies for their staff like yeah. who cares like they're going to do it anyway and so I um, was making fun of that and it was, they were really into it and so it was just one of those gigs where like everything everything here is perfect and because it was hometown kind of stuff I actually felt mm. like I'm actually and I'm better now at making sure I enjoy it more like whereas yeah. before I used to be like I just want what's the next gig what's the next gig we're now I'm like oh no this is happening so I better enjoy it um, worst gig ever I when I first started but worst gig but it ended up being good Denise Scott had seen me do a show she said hey my my cousin's football club is they're looking for a comedian I think you'd be perfect for it this can only end well no and then <laughs> I was like okay and she goes it pays 500 bucks I'm like yeah I'm in I'm in and so then she was like, okay, it's in Heidelberg, so I'll get there with my older guitar, and they didn't have a mic stand for me. Right. And so I, you know, I can't play and talk. And it was, I was six months into doing, about a year into doing comedy. Mm. And so I only had 25 minutes, and half of that was guitar stuff. So I was like, I have to play. So they went and got a mop and bucket and gaffer taped the mic to the mop handle. And so I'm singing there, playing my guitar and singing into a mop handle. But they paid me cash and I went straight out and I bought my guitar that I still use today with mm. that money. So I'm like, every time, like, it's that thing of going, just say yes to gigs and if it pays well, just <laughs> use that money and buy yourself something that you actually like doing. <laughs> that's yeah. a life lesson. Yeah, that's it. Just oh, do it. Just say yes, to, say yes to stuff. <laughs> say yes to stuff. Yeah. Josh, you have a podcast. Thanks. It's called Don't You Know Who I Am. It's out every Thursday. Yeah, it's good. There are heaps of people have been on it. So, like, people like Hamish Blake, Sean McAuliffe, John Safran, Hannah Gadsby, Celia Picola, and Edmonds, pretty much everyone. So, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, lots and lots of fun. Fantastic. And potentially another one in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, so another one called 100% Pod. Love it. So far. We, we, we're still talking about the names. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, unreal. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Enjoy Kesha. I will. <laughs> I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbados.